This is In the Word with Malcolm Weber. And the more interpretation that there is involved, the less authoritative the doctrine becomes. Now, that does not mean that your doctrine is necessarily wrong. I'm not saying that. But just don't burn someone at the stake when they disagree with you. Welcome to In the Word with Malcolm Weber. In order to discern and fulfill the purpose of God for our lives, we need to know the difference between a direct authoritative statement of Scripture and speculation based on human reasoning. How do we go about doing that? Dr. Weber answers this question in the second part of his message, rightly dividing the Word of God. You see, there is no contradiction between knowing God and having good doctrine. Now, certainly, knowing God is more important than splitting hairs about fine points of peripheral issues. Okay? Certainly. I once heard a man, and he was a friend of mine, he's a good brother, in Australia years ago, in fact, I think, Paul, you were there, see if you remember this, and this brother preached an entire message one Sunday morning on the question, who was Darius the Mede? From the book of Daniel. Which of the historical kings was he? From the Medo-Persian Empire. You know, it's a big scholarly, well, or little probably, a little scholarly debate about who was Darius the Mede? Which, which one of them was he in? We were a bunch of kids, you know, that were just on fire for God, and, and, and this bro got up and <laughs> taught on that. And I have a feeling that most of the people in the congregation at that point had never even read the book of Daniel. And had never even heard of the Medo-Persian Empire anyway. And he spent, he actually did. Were you there, Paul? Paul remember, he testifying, it was a true story. <laughs> he spent the entire message going over all of the various scholarly views and positions concerning who Darius the Mede was. And he ended up suggesting that probably, at least in his opinion, Darius was such and such a king. You know, either, um, I don't remember who he ended up with, it might have been Xerxes or Artaxerxes or whoever it was. Yahoo! (coughs) Now, dear friends, knowing God is more important than knowing who Darius the Mede was. In fact, knowing anything is more important than knowing who Darius the Mede was. And there are other such issues, aren't there, that we can involve ourselves around. For example, you know, mode of water baptism. Uh, I've had a number of debates, uh, <laughs> debates, um, uh, I wouldn't say arguments, but, you know, discussions. Discussions. Lively discussions with uh, saints, men and women of God, who were godly men and women who disagreed with me about the mode of water baptism. Okay? Well, that's fine. I have my sincere position, which I sincerely believe in the Word. They had their sincere position, which they sincerely could see in the Word. That's fine. That's Okay? The thing that blessed me was that they actually were baptizing people in water. You know, they were actually getting some people saved. 
that they even had someone to baptize anyway, however they happened to do it. All right? What really irritates me is are the people that will just nail you, you know, to the wall on such issues, you know, such as the mode of water baptism. I mean, they'll fight you to, to death over the, over the issue, and yet they're not baptizing anybody anyway! Because no one's getting saved through their little ministry. You see, so, it is more important to know God than to worry about those sorts of issues. To worry about. I'm not saying we shouldn't be involved or shouldn't seek to know the truth. We should. But not to the point where it begins to be strife and contention. And this brings me to something that will change your life. And this is our central point this morning, which we are about to hit and to nail to your heart. Okay? You ready for this? This is it. Our doctrines have various levels of authority. Some of the things that we believe are not as sure as others and do not possess the same degree of authority. All right, just hold on to your wig. I'd like to show you this continuum. Degrees of doctrinal authority. At the top of the continuum, there's a high degree of authority. At the bottom, there's a low degree of authority. And there's every point in between. The highest degrees of doctrinal authority we give to direct statements in the Scripture. You understand that? We're going to look at this now. The lowest levels of authority we give to what are speculations from the Scripture. And then there are various points in between. Now hang on here. This will change your life. Let's look at this in detail now. Direct statements. Level number one. Direct statements in the Scripture possess the highest authority to command your life, to direct your life, to show you what the will and the purpose of God is. Direct statements of Scripture. These are not interpretations. There is no interpretation in these. But they are direct statements. They carry the highest authority. They are the direct, clear Word of God with no element at all of human interpretation involved. For example, the deity of Christ... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. Later in John 1, the Word was made flesh and tabernacled among us. We beheld His glory. Hallelujah. The Lord Jesus, the Word was the eternal Son of God. And John says, pow, the Word was God. Direct statement of Scripture. Highest level of authority. Are you with me? Another one would be, for example, the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. One mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. In other places, the humanity of the Lord Jesus. Direct statements of Scripture carries the highest authority. Hallelujah. How about Jesus' bodily resurrection? Touch me. Because the Spirit has not flesh and bones as you see me have. See again, in other places... Many passages on the physical, bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? 
Direct statement of scripture. Highest level of authority. Justification by faith alone. Without works. Absolute truth. Direct statement. Highest level of divine authority. No interpretation involved. It says it. Pow. Justified by faith alone. Period. Praise God. You see, these are truths. These are doctrines that you would die for. Right? You should. If you're a Christian, you should. Amen. And furthermore, this is the stuff that you need to be saved. This is the stuff that you need to have eternal life. Your very life depends upon you being straight on what are direct statements of Scripture. On what carry the highest level of authority. If you disagree with these doctrines... You are not saved. It's not a matter of loss of reward. It's not a matter of being a baby Christian. It's a matter of not being saved. Now someone you know, may say something without understanding it. Fine. Sit him down. Take him through it. Show him the word. You must believe these sorts of issues from the scripture. Or else you have no eternal life. John said so. Paul said so. Peter said so. Okay. Now, as we move down the continuum of doctrinal authority, we come to level two, which is direct implications of Scripture. And these are what I would call close interpretations from the Scripture. Now, they are interpretations as opposed to direct statements. But they are very close interpretations. They're not distant interpretations. So they're not quite as authoritative as direct statements because there is an additional step of interpretation involved. It's a very small step, but it's a step nevertheless. But these still carry a very high level of authority and should be taken very, very seriously. For example, an example of what a doctrine that is a direct implication of Scripture would be the triune nature of God. Okay? That is not a direct statement. It nowhere says God is triune. Okay? God is one eternal Spirit who eternally manifests Himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful doctrinal statement. Very true. And is borne out by many Scriptures. But that statement itself is nowhere found. Okay. Now, we do find many affirmations of the deity of the Father, of the deity of the Son, of the deity of the Holy Spirit. We do find affirmations of the eternality of the Father, the eternality of the Son, the eternality of the Holy Spirit. We do find affirmations of the entire deity, that the fullness of God is in the Father, the fullness of God is in the Son, the fullness of God is in the Holy Spirit, right? We find all of that, but nowhere does it put it together in our little Trinity doctrine, right? The Trinity doctrine is true. But it's not stated, you see. It's not a direct statement, it's a direct implication. Are you with me? Okay, I'm not saying it's not true. Very, very much true. And carries a very high level of authority. Okay? But there is just one small step of interpretation involved there, to go from the Scriptures to the doctrine. You see, in the deity of Christ, there are no steps of interpretation. The Word was God! (laughs) No, just read it. No, no interpretation, just reading. You see? 
Direct implications have a very small step of interpretation. It's not a dangerous step. Okay? We're going through a process here. You'll see why we're doing this once we get to some of these lower levels. When we get to the reason why we're going over this. So, triune nature of God is a direct implication of Scripture. The fact that Jesus did not die spiritually upon the cross is a direct implication of Scripture. It's nowhere said in the Bible, Jesus did not die spiritually on the cross. Okay? But it is said that He was always holy. That He was always in the presence of His Father. Okay? So, you know, we can make a very small interpretation from that and say, therefore, He didn't die spiritually. That's true. That's, that's correct to do that. But it is different from a direct statement. So, concerning direct implications, would you die for such a doctrine? I would. I'd die for a direct implication. The holiness of Jesus on the cross? Absolutely. There's no salvation, guys, if He wasn't holy on the cross. The triune nature of God? Absolutely. Those are very clear, very clear direct implications. Okay, thirdly, as we come down, we come to probable implications of Scripture. <laughs> and see, these are a little more distant interpretations. And the authority of these doctrines increases as you have more and more Scriptures to support them. Okay? As long as you maintain the integrity of your interpretation of those Scriptures. I've heard people over the years give many scriptures to support their doctrines, but every single one they use was used incorrectly. So, I mean, having a whole bunch of doctrines doesn't matter if you're not using them with integrity. But these are more distant implications of scripture. For example, when we get into issues such as the sovereignty of God, and we look at things like what does the sovereignty of God mean? What is the relationship of the responsibility of man to the sovereignty of God. Okay? These sorts of questions, these sorts of doctrines. I wrote a book on that particular one concerning the sovereignty of God and man's responsibility. It's a great doctrine. And I believe I understand it according as the scripture says. But let me ask you, would you die for that kind of doctrine? Well, maybe. Maybe not. Depends on the doctrine, you know. It depends. Right? Would you die for the deity of Christ? Would you die for justification by faith alone? Without hesitation. Yes. But would you die for your personal understanding of the relationship of divine sovereignty to human responsibility? I probably would. But I'm not sure I'd expect you to. <laughs> At least to die for my interpretation. <laughs> you should. Because <laughs> it's right. <laughs> Do you see the point here? Do you see how that there are various degrees of doctrinal authority? Are you with me? Yes. And you see, if you're denying the deity of Christ, you've got no place in this church. Yeah. We're going to kick you out, buddy. We're going to pray for you. <laughs> We're going to... <laughs> aren't we sweet? In love. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll sit down at the word with you and we'll take as long as long as we can, you know, with you to show you the error of your denial of the deity of Christ. You know, I know no one here does, but I'm just saying. But if it came to the point where you stubbornly refused, you've got no place in the church of Jesus Christ. Okay? You're not saved. Amen. If you don't believe that, you're a Jehovah's Witness. You're something else. You're not saved. You're not a Christian. Right? 
but on an issue of the relationship of divine sovereignty to human responsibility. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about there. So, I mean, we're not going to throw you out just because you don't, you know, agree with me at every point of that doctrine. Okay? Hallelujah. Does that make sense? All right. Then, we come to level four. Inductive conclusions from Scripture. We're going lesser authority. An inductive conclusion. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. That's it. I mean, that's an eternal, absolutely true statement. You can pull that verse out of its context, and it means what it says, what it means, what it says, what it means. Pow! Jesus was God, right? But there are times when to correctly understand certain doctrines, we need to go to the whole Scripture and look at what the whole Bible says about something. We need to seek to understand it in the context of history and culture. We need to look at what the author originally intended by his words to those people in that place at that time and then prayerfully consider how to apply that to our lives now. Right? Those are inductive conclusions. In the beginning was word, words with God, word was God has nothing to do with culture, history, time, who he was talking to, who he wasn't talking to. You see what I'm saying? But there are doctrines where we need to have more of an inductive approach to looking at the scriptures. And so, for these kinds of conclusions, for these kinds of doctrines, there is quite a lot of interpretation that comes to play. Are you with me? And the more interpretation that there is involved, the less authoritative the doctrine becomes. Now, that does not mean that your doctrine is necessarily wrong. I'm not saying that. But just don't burn someone at the stake when they disagree with you. Come on, say hallelujah. Now, you see, level... You've been through some of this? Level four issues are addressed in the Scripture. They are. They're there in some form or another. But they're not that clear. Okay? There is some level of interpretation involved in these doctrines. For example, your view on the rapture. Right? Uh oh. <laughs> it's not that clear, guys. Now, you may think it is. God bless you. You may be one of those ones with all their charts, you know. And it's like, here it is, you know. Here are the vials and here are the trumpets and here's the, the first angel and the 28th angel. And here's how, I mean, they've got it down, right? You know, when it all happens, it's boom, 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 boom. I sometimes think about all of those poor trees that died so these fellows could put their charts, you know, up on this kind of stuff. <laughs> you ever heard of Brother Howard Pittman? He died, went to heaven, saw God, you know, all that kind of stuff. God sent him back and met him a couple of times. And one of those times, I uh, had the opportunity to share with him a little. And I said, brother, you've been to the throne of God, you know. You've seen God in some form. He was outside the gates or something. And Anyway, I won't share the rest of that, but if I remembered it, I might. <laughs> but anyway, I said, you know, brother Pittman, you've been right in heaven, at the gates of heaven or wherever it was, and and you've talked with God. I mean, God actually spoke to him, and you've talked 
not talk back, but you, you know, spoke with God. Not a wise idea to talk back to God, but, but, but speaking with God's okay. You know, right? And I said, when you were in heaven, the Lord gave him a number of things about the end times and you know, those sorts of things. I said, did the Lord tell you anything about the rapture? And he thought and he said, no, no, I, I don't believe he did. He didn't tell me anything about the rapture. You know, it's kind of interesting, isn't it, that sometimes I wonder that the things that we think are so centrally important, God doesn't necessarily share our priorities. <laughs> anyway, but I guess he hasn't been through our seminaries yet. He doesn't have the right letters after his name, not quite as qualified as some of us are, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but I said, well, okay, well, you know, maybe the Lord didn't tell you, but uh, what's your view on, on the rapture anyway? And he looked at me and he said, well, he said, concerning the rapture, he said, uh, I hold to the, the pan-rapture view. He said, some believe that the rapture comes uh, before, some believe it comes during, some believe it comes after, some believe a little bit of it all at each of those and some more besides. But I believe when it all pans out in the end, I'm going up. <laughs> Come on now. That's, that's good doctrine. That's good doctrine. Hallelujah. I'm not saying the doctrine doesn't matter, the doctrine of the rapture doesn't, I'm not saying that. But I am saying it's not that clear. It's not that clear, it's not. It's really not. <laughs> okay. I can tell it's time to move on to the next example of an inductive conclusion. <laughs> We're so glad you joined us for In the Word with Malcolm Weber a weekly podcast featuring selected teachings from Dr. Weber's over 40 years of ministry. Find more teachings along with books, courses, tools, and other resources from Dr. Weber at www.leadersource.org. Tune in next week for the third part of this message, Rightly Dividing the Word of God.